Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? President Lyndon Johnson signs a bill requiring cigarette makers to print health warnings on all packages. Cigarette advertising is banned on British TV, and LBJ sends 50,000 more soldiers to Vietnam for a total of 125,000. This is July 1965, and we're What the Rip. I'm Bruce. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob, and special guest sitting in for Brian DeCute is John Lynch. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Glad you're here. All right, Wayne, what do we have today? Guys, we're going back to the heyday of Motown with the Supremes. You may know the lead singer, Diana Ross. She's the main vocal, but Mary Wilson and Florence Ballard was also back there going to town. In late 1963, Barry Gordy chose Diana Ross, who began going by uh, Diane. It was Diane Ross, and she was going by Diana as the official lead singer of the group. And he would actually end up, Barry Gordy would eventually date Diana Ross later on and officially changed the group to Diana Ross and the Supremes. Ah. But this, at this time, it was it's the just Supremes. the Supremes. Okay. And this is one of the hits off that album. Um, it's This album's called More Hits by the Supremes. And this harkens back what we talked about a long time before is when people would put out songs and then they would compile a Greatest Hits album or something of that sort. And this is, this is one of the songs off it. It's called Nothing But Heartaches. It went to number 11. It's one of the few songs that didn't go to number one that were on this album. But it, it is a little deeper cut, but, you know, I love the heck out of it. I mean, it's classic. Yeah. Well, I watched a, uh, a doc called Hitsville USA, and it goes back to what Barry Cordy was doing on how he's he, he developed Motown. Motown obviously is in Detroit, and Barry Cordy worked for Ford Motor Company. He looked on how they made cars. They just kind of like a rolling on the assembly line. So Barry Gordy goes, why can't I do that with music? There's so many talented people here, but not everybody at that time were doing single song, singer-songwriter stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he goes, well, there's all these guys who, who play musicians. You know, they're jazz clubs and everything else. And they're not making hardly any money because I can hire them to be the, the, the band. And, of course, they end up being the Funk Brothers. And then he started hiring singer-songwriters. One of them who wrote almost all these songs uh, for the Supremes is called Holland Doyser Holland. Uh, they're Lamont Doyser and Brian and Eddie Holland, their brothers. And they wrote most of these songs at this time. Uh, some of them came from Barry Gordy. Some of them actually came from Smokey Robinson. And we did Smokey Robinson a little further back. And so... You know, they would write all these songs and they would just farm them out to these different people. And one of the songs, they would go and go, here, Dana Ross and the Supremes, you guys do this song. And this is one that went to number one. Back in my arms again. 
this sounds like my youth. So my mom is a crazy Motown fan, like big, big Motown. Like, so this is this is what I heard in the car on the way to school every day. Did you have a lot of the albums at home? A hundred percent of them. Like literally the albums sitting in. It's, it is. It's just good music. You know, Sandy and I have been to like shows that are doing Motown reviews, things like that. And it's just really good music. Just solid. Oh, the Four Tops and mm-hmm. the Temptations, some uh, two groups. Smokey that Robinson I was, and Smokey the Miracles. Robinson. Yeah. Those guys are still out there going around. If you got a chance, go see them. Yeah, they're a little old, but they put on a great show. Um, they are the lead singers. They are the whole backing groups. And and like I said, these these guys, they're professional. Believe it or not, Barry Cordy got a professional. I don't know what the heck you call her. Someone who, who taught him all the proper manners or whatever it was. Oh, like and, choreographers. Yeah. Well, no, no. I'm talking about for actually going out and when they talk to people, make sure they spoke properly. Oh, like okay. a PR person yeah, almost? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, whatever. You ate correctly. You had your forks over oh, here. I see, yeah. your spoons, All the things. They were going to be glamorous. Well-versed in etiquette. That's right. That's what it was, etiquette. Just and made sure they spoke correctly. They were the face of Motown, and they were going to be that person who's going to be able to push it to the next level. The Supremes played in front of Queen Elizabeth. I mean, they <laughs> were the, the the big group that came out of that. And, uh, I mean, it was the music, like you said, it's just, it, it's just fun music. I mean, you know, they... The songs also were great. That, that's the thing is, is, is this group did the songwriting. This group did the music. This group did the singing. If it didn't hit, they somebody else brought the song. Okay, this wasn't good for you. Six months later, here, you do it. Here, Move it do around. It. Truly like an assembly line. That's an interesting concept. I yeah. didn't realize So the Supremes, that. their Supremes do the hits of Marvin Gaye. Or mm. Supremes do the songs of whoever, Frank Sinatra, they would rehash a lot of these songs because it would be a hit for somebody else down the line. Baby Love, mm-hmm. another song that, you know, that, that would go on to one of our favorite groups in, in Atlanta would do and, and mm-hmm. do a hit on. But, you know, that's the way it was. You know what? These songs are just fun. That's that's what is really good about the, the Motown stuff. It's, it's just a lot of uplifting, upbeat kind of songs. And you and John, you nailed it because that's exactly what Barry Gordy wanted to. And he fought tooth and nail at the end of the 60s when people started wanting to do more of the protest songs. And he goes, that's not our our kind of mojo here. We, we really want to be that, that really uplifting part. Now, eventually they would allow that because the guys would just up and leave and go, hey, we're going to go over here, you know, and... and, and for somebody else so he was kind of forced into that but yeah you're right now this is the next song whisper your love whisper you love me boy it's the b-side of back of my arms again nice voice yeah you, that, diana ross's voice you can you know it's diana ross when when she starts singing so silky oh yeah but a lot of these, you got to remember, this all came out of Detroit. This was not a group of people going out, hey, you know, because Philadelphia had their own little scene. A lot of places had their own little soul scene. But Motown was strictly mostly everybody out of there. And, I mean, Smokey Robinson, Dinah Ross knew each other in high school. I mean, there's, there's, 
these all all these people kind of knew each other. That was one of the things we saw the uh, the Aretha Franklin um, biopic. I guess it was. It's uh, not really a biography, but it was uh, it was about Aretha Franklin. And you get that sense. You know, they're they're meeting after church. They're they're seeing. You know, they they know everybody. It's uh you know it's a pretty close knit community. Well, this this music is how you got Whitney Houston. Like yeah, definitely. she grew up listening to this music. And so that's where she continued and kind of took the torch and kept going with it. So if you're a Whitney Houston fan and you never listened to Diana Ross, you should. Definitely. Interesting note is the Supremes initially referred as the no hit Supremes because they weren't having any hits early on in the you know early 60s. <laughs> but suddenly they just rattled off like five straight number one hits and then and they became what they became. And then everybody else wanted to cover them. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they would play this on Mike Douglas' show. I mean, they would play more on his show than anybody else. I mean, I mean, they appeared in a movie called Beach Ball. <laughs> now, if there's one song that's going to just say, hey, this is the Supremes, this one's it. Oh, yeah. This is the number one song. You've probably seen it in tons of movies. It's most popular in um, in more American Graffiti, which was in the soundtrack of that. But yeah, in Shrek, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In fact, I can actually see the choreography in my brain, like from this song. Like that's how many. That's how. That's how iconic that song is. Well, you've got that. Correct, John, is when they when they would travel, they're not traveling just at the Supremes. Really, they, they probably played for an hour. But all these groups would come out at the same time. The Four Tops would come out, and The Temptations, and then Marvin Gaye. And you, mean, then, you mean a concert would have concert. all of them in yeah, one? Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. And then at the end, they would all come on and sing these songs. So so it, it's, it was a production. It harkens back to, to the Tucker Godfather show with James Brown doing all that sort of stuff. They were doing these productions, and you're correct. They had the dance moves going, all the thing, and the hair they had, the big wigs. And well, so they were competing with like Elvis. So like this is during Elvis's like heyday. I mean, at this, I mean, he's kind of all not at at the peak of his time, but like this is post World War, uh, like. Party kind of right. Time. It's it, it's right. I mean, this is this is right at the front end of the uh, of, of of the areas that we cover, right? So this is you know as rock music is being formed, the right. Beatles have uh, are hitting their peak right about now. Well, um, Motown kind of carried that. It, you write more positive music, but you know you had the kind of gritty more rock and roll early on in the late late fifties. Then the the early. 60s, you really, it was Beach Boys and Motown were really yeah. the really good stuff. The rest of the stuff was Pat Boone singing, you know, really crappy songs. And then the hey, Beatles hey. came along. Hey, Easy now, on Pat down. Boone, man. <laughs> why, why the Pat Boone hate? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I saw his heavy metal album that he had out. It wasn't that good either. But uh, yeah, it's. It's, it's, it's uplifting songs. It's, it's hopeful songs. The, the whole thing is, is you know, this song is still about a woman who sees a guy that's dating somebody else but go, wait, I love you. Don't, you know, I mean. 
It's great lyric, yeah. actually. Oh, the lyricists, those guys, man, I tell you what. Brian and Eddie Holland and Lamont Dozer, they they wrote some really, really great songs. They 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 should be in their own section of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That was great, Wayne. Thanks. Well, keeping it positive, we're going to hear from somebody Hello, here. Hello, I'm Mr. Ed. <laughs> oh, yeah. How can you not be positive when you were watching Mr. Ed, our entertainment track brought to us by Wright Collin Financial? Not much was going on in July of 1965, so usually reruns happen at this time. I go, well, heck, one of the best reruns I remember as a kid was watching Mr. Ed. Yep. And this was a staple of uh, weekday programming afternoon on, uh, after school. on Turner on TBS, wasn't it? Yes. And, and now now it's like Nick at Night. You guys, you guys ever watch it on Nick at Night? Oh, is that where you see it? That's now? where you can see it right now. I think. I think at least that used to be the case. But I just know they took it from Francis to talk a mule, which was uh, back in the World War II days. They had that. He was the Army mule. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it was fun. There was other things going on. Uh, Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> right. In entertainment, John. Entertainment. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not very entertaining. That's bad. Bad time for the cigarette industry, apparently. <laughs> Actually, on Mr. Ed, these. Some of the people who actually showed up on the show Mae West, Clint Eastwood, George Burns, Zaja Gabor, Leo DeRozier, Johnny Crawford, Sebastian Cabot, and Jack Lane. I don't know how Jack Lane did, but obviously they were doing some sort of exercising. That was back in the day where, like, they just trotted whoever the current, like, big celebrity was yeah. onto uh-huh. every show. Yeah, like, absolutely. Also, Why not? Shooting <laughs> Why not? begins on Star Trek. The second pilot where no man has gone before. Got to put that in there. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, now we're getting into our staff picks, and we're going to kick it off with Bruce. What do you have for us today? All right. Got a little live music. Mm. So, this is Johnny Rivers, The Seventh Son. I love me some Johnny Rivers. He's good, isn't he? He's done done a few hits right in here. Uh, This this is an R&B song that was originally written by Willie Dixon. And originally performed by Willie Mabin in 1955. But uh, Johnny Rivers recorded this. So at the time, uh, Rivers had kind of a long-term contract with the Whiskey-A-Go-Go. He was one of the artists that was like, he played at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go regularly. And he recorded a number of albums at the Frisky Whiskey A Go Go, including this album, which is called Meanwhile, Back at the Whiskey A Go Go. And the the whole idea of the Seventh Son, it's like this. Um, it's a it's it's a good luck type of a thing, right? So supposedly it's lucky to be the seventh son or the seventh sister or the seventh child or, or whatnot. I think Sting had a song called "The Seventh Son of the Seventh Son" or something like that. Yeah, something or something yeah. along those. All right, how many kids do you have to have to have seven sons? Holy crap, that's a big family. <laughs> good well, point. Statistically speaking, you could have just seven, but you know it would be challenging. So the single went to number seven on the Billboard Hot 100, but it does. It sounds it sounds like what you expect out of mid '60s rock and roll, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. beach beach music type stuff. You know, I like that. I like that guitar lick there. Was Johnny Rivers playing guitar or just singing? Do we know? No, he's a guitar player. Okay. Yep. And I saw some YouTube things. I think he's still out there touring and things. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I think so. I'd love to go see that because, I mean, like I said, there were several good songs that he had out at this time. And, and yeah. I mean, he's got a good list of, uh, of albums and things out there. So go out there. It's fun music. Yeah. yeah. He's good. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's quite entertaining. Yeah, you can kind of you kind of picture in your mind's eye these uh, the kind of little dance that would go along with this. Yeah, like the '60s kind of oh, yeah. go-go kind of dance. I thing. was thinking uh-huh. go-go myself. Yeah, the yeah. Go-go dancers. What a great tune! What a fun tune! There were a lot of uh, backup singers during this time too. That was the thing, you know. You, ever, you can hear them on all these songs yeah. in the background, and it has that you. You get the whole live feel, right? You know, you can yeah. you can hear that. Well, it's probably unusual at that time too. The I think they stole. I think they stole the sound from the B fifty twos. Could be. Okay, <laughs> we definitely Ooh. bring it down, and we're going to you, Rob. Yep, we're not going to be doing any go go dancing right here, <laughs> but uh, this is a song that's been around for a while. Oh, it's often used many words. You got to recognize the oh, voice here. This is Tony thing. Bennett, and it's. Fly it me to the moon. And time in other words, in other words, <laughs> that's the name, that's the title, official title. With music and this words, this was uh, originally titled "In Other Words," and it's it was written in 1954 by Bart Howard. And it's funny because the words "Fly me to the moon" are in here, and so they eventually sure changed the name from "In Other Words" to "Fly Me to the Moon." A lady by the name of Kay Ballard was the first person to record it in 1954. And you've heard another crooner sing it and sang it before 1965. Do you remember who that is? I'm guessing Frank Sinatra, right? Yep, it was Frank Sinatra in 1964. And they connected it with the Apollo missions. Okay. Which was kind of fun. And I know this isn't rock, but man, what a what a voice and what an influence! Oh, yeah. Have you guys ever seen Tony Bennett live? No, and I don't think we're going to be able to. I think he finally retired. I think he did his final program. You saw him. I, Heather and I, my wife, went and saw Tony Bennett live. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Right down at the Chastain. This was mid two thousands. We got there. It was overcast. It was outside, mm-hmm. and it about three songs in started. Pouring like you've oh, like gosh. like torrential like like you're gonna see uh, uh, an arc mm-hmm. come out of it. Okay, <laughs> like you could barely see the stage from where we were sitting. That's how wow. that's how hard it was raining. Lightning strikes, the power goes out mid song. We sat in the rain, waiting for the the concert to Another keep going. Thirty five minutes later, the power came on. Tony Bennett picked up right in the middle of the song. The band never missed a stroke. Wow. It was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, what a class act. And, like, everybody who stayed lost it. I've got to say, he is very talented, and he's he's connected. So I saw a 60 Minutes interview that Anderson Cooper did with him mm-hmm. last year. And it, it was with his wife, Susan. Uh, Tony has had Alzheimer's since 2016. Wow. So he's been losing his, you know, ability to do a lot of stuff. But he, he developed a friendship years ago with Lady Gaga. Right. And That's they got, awesome. Isn't that awesome? And they got together, and they uh, got together for a show at Radio City Music Hall. And 
in this interview, they showed footage of him talking, you know, Anderson Cooper's interviewing him and his wife's answering, saying, you remember that, honey? And he's being polite, yeah. And then they, they brought him into the room where the piano was, and the guy started playing, and he immediately yes. got his energy up and just hit it and started singing, and you would have no idea that the guy didn't know a minute ago where he was or who Anderson Cooper was. And it was just so cool. And they talked to us, Alzheimer's doctor, and they said, yeah, music really connects these people. And it's just it was just cool to see his reaction. And he was a different person. And they said he'll play an entire album, all his stuff, with no issue. Yeah, you, that is an amazing, the 60 Minutes interview, if you haven't seen it, go out and check it out. It not, is amazing. But I'm going to now. He's 95 years old. We w- he won't be around for long, no. but, man, what a voice. Well, he's what a, a class voice. act. Yeah, exactly. Too bad we're past the time of seeing him live anymore. Yeah. But thank you very much, Rob, yeah. for bringing us that. Now we're Good going pick. to our guest of the show. Yeah. John Lynch, what you got? This is a this is an old classic. I used to listen to this once again with my mom, obviously. Um, this is uh, Down in the Boondocks by Billy Joe Royal. All right. Story about a guy who's growing up on the wrong side of town, falls in love with a girl on the right side of town. People don't like that very much, so uh, I guess that didn't work out for him very well. It's got a good, got a good tune to it. So the the real the real story about Billy Joe Royal is he used to play guitar for a guy named Joe South. Joe guys, South. This is a connection to all of you here. Okay? Uh-huh. So Joe South played with. Nearly everybody you've ever heard in your life. Joe South played with Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash. He played with uh, Andy Williams. He played with James Taylor, Jerry Lee Lewis. He played with Carol Burnett. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this guy, Jim Neighbors. You know the Jim Neighbors music? Yes. Oh, yeah. He played with Jim Neighbors. He wrote <laughs> songs for Jim Neighbors. Uh, let's see. Uh, who am I missing? Ike Turner. Uh-huh. Tina Turner. He wrote songs for them. Guess where he lived? Where? Buford, Georgia. Are you serious? I kid you not. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Buford, Georgia. When he and his wife died, they were buried in Mableton, Georgia. Wow. Did not know that. Yeah. That's where we are. This is a reminder to our listeners. We're we're actually in the Buford, Georgia area. It it is the greater Hog Mountain area, I suppose, (laughs) for for us local folks. If you really uh, be in the boondocks. Yeah, yeah. So this song... Uh, let's see. It, it didn't get to number one. It got to number nine, mm-hmm. which wasn't bad because it was the highest song that Billy Joe Royal ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was more of a he was more of a support guy uh, for most of his life. But Joe South liked him because he played for him mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, I'm gonna write a song for you." Wow. He wrote it, and this guy got a number number nine hit out of it. So. <laughs> That's an interesting. Uh, it's it's an interesting sound. It's got the. Uh, it, it definitely again has that mid '60s feel to it. Doesn't the, it? the voice, to me, reminds me a little bit of I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> I was thinking monkeys. It does. It is. It's a little high, isn't it? Yeah. A little treble. All right, that's fun, John. Nice. Thank you. So now we're going to bring it back to the guy who started it all. What you got, Wayne? Guys. The Dave Clark Five. Ah. You may have heard of them. The song is I Like It Like That. It's, this one charted at number seven. It is a cover song that they did. 
was released, originally sung by Chris Kinnear and Alex Hussain. Both of them from New Orleans. Um, and that one went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100. So, but I kind of always wanted to do something by Dave Clark. Five and I, I looked and I just like oh all their stuff is 64 almost I mean 100 percent really they're one of these guys they were the second big group that came after the Beatles they were part of that British invasion just blasted and they were on the charts at the same time as the Beatles but by 65 people kind of got you know they they weren't as good as singer songwriters as the Beatles and they had to start hunting for other songs and unfortunately by 67 they were just pretty much gone well it's like the Beatles the the music of the Beatles evolved over time and the Beatles kind of led the rock you're right about that movement from the mid 60s to the early 70s in fact I like the later Beatles stuff better than the early I do you know what the Dave Clark five was missing Yoko Ono. <laughs> That's it. They would That's have stuck it. around had they had themselves if a Yoko. Yoko Ono had only lended her support to Dave Clark Five. If she would have just tossed them a grain of her her talent, they would still be here. All right. There wow. you go. Moving on now to our comedy song, and we've got Wooly Bully. What a fun song. Fraternity Party Classic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We were kind of surprised we hadn't done this song before yet. So. I, I could smell the hunch punch. <laughs> who, who, who is this group? Uh, it's Sam, Sam, the Sham, and the Pharaohs. You've known them for hits like Wooly Bully. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Which is essentially the only hit they ever had. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking at the album cover. I'm not certain that it would pass political correctness They are, in fact, not today. from Saudi Arabia. No, they aren't. All right, some top hits of July 1965. I Can't Get No Satisfaction, the Rolling Stones. Henry VIII, I Am by Herman Hermits. We've done that. I Can't Help Myself, the Four Tops. We just talked about them. What's new, Pussycat, Tom Jones? I think Brian did that song. Yes, I'm ready, Barbara Mason. Music of July 1965, Bob Dylan is booed off the stage at the Newport Folk Special for for doing what? Playing an electric guitar. Oh. Yeah, those things never took off. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And the Beatles, the movie Help premiered, and Queen Elizabeth went and attended that. There's just a couple of movies that I thought were worth adorning that uh, came out. Uh, the Great Race with Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, and Natalie Wood, if you remember that. It was sort of a comedy. Yep, I remember that song. It's sort of precursor to it's a mad, 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 mad world. The Sons of Katie Eller with uh, John Wayne and Dean Martin. How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, a beach party <laughs> film that had guess who? Annette Blanchetto and Mickey Rooney. Of course. But that is July of 1965. You listen to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. Thank you, John, for coming. Thank you for having me. We'll see you guys next time. Enjoy it. Have fun. And live life to the fullest. Yeah. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Collin Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. 
See you next week on What the Riff?